the next few weeks, I'm really excited about, and we're going to walk through Ephesians all summer long. Now, I love this book of Ephesians. As you probably know, my top favorite book in the Bible is Romans. But Ephesians is there as well. I, I really do love this book. And we're going we're gonna to walk through this slowly. And we're going to kind of soak up Ephesians all summer long. And so I'm, I'm pumped about this. And so if you would this morning, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. I think you'll be better equipped. I think you're going to be encouraged. I think you're going to be challenged. When, as you walk through Ephesians, there's so many wonderful things that Ephesians has to offer to us. And kind of some background today, as you turn this morning, Ephesians was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, in A.D. 60, and he wrote this from a very interesting place. He did not write this from a comfy chair. He didn't write this from a nice, cushy office somewhere. Uh, Paul wrote this book from jail. So he's behind bars. And I think that's pretty amazing. Because it speaks to us, doesn't it? You know, if we ever think that our position and spot in life, it makes us unjoyful or unproductive, Paul would speak against that, right? Much of the the New Testament was written by Paul, and much of it was written by Paul from a jail cell. And jail, right, or jail, Paul writes about being joyful in all circumstances. He writes about all, all kinds of wonderful things, and he puts it to practice, right? And so I love Ephesians, and I think you're going to love this too. And so Ephesians was a letter written to, to, to believers in the city of Ephesus. And I have a picture of that here on the side. You can see this is where Ephesus um, is or where it would be now on over a modern-day map of Turkey. And so it's all the way to the left there. And Ephesus was a very important city. It was the third largest city in the entire Roman Empire. It was 300,000 people lived in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus was not only an important city, it was an important port. Ephesus had one of the largest ports in the world. And, and, and with that being a port city, it also had, just to the north of the city, it had uh, the crossroads of a very important trade route. And so Ephesus had this, this large street. It's interesting. It had a large street that went from the port to the trade routes. It was, it was 70 feet wide. Now, you can imagine, now, of course, nowadays that we have freeways, it's not that big of a deal. But back in these days, when they didn't have, you know, trucks and semis and cars and such, they had people and they had horses and they had buggies and things like that. I mean, this was a remarkable street. And the street here in Ephesus was, uh, it was not only this, a large place, it was also loaded with all kinds of whatever you can imagine. Right? This was a port city. If, you're, if your mind could imagine it, you could get it on this street in Ephesus. You can imagine what life would have been like living in the city of Ephesus. The city of Ephesus was a sinful place. It was a difficult culture to be a, be a believer. There was constant pressure from the, from the culture of the Ephesians to edit Christianity. There was all kinds of strange teaching, all kinds of things happened. It was, it was a tough place to be a believer. So into this culture, into this world, Paul drops this, this book of, Ephes, of Ephesians to these people. And it's, it's pretty important. And I think what you're going to find as you walk through Ephesians is, is a theme that is kind of, kind of Paul uses to walk this. And this is a theme. When every Christian truly understands their identity and position in Christ, Christianity is a force to be reckoned with. Amen? It's a force 
be reckoned with. But again, so in this city of Ephesus, when, they pe- when people heard Paul say things like this, but yet found themselves under constant pressure, how do you equate those two things? Because I think we can relate a lot to this, right? I mean, we, we are a similar situation. We have culture, and we have things that are happening around us that are working to edit the Christian faith, even other so-called believers, right? Which was the case back in Ephesus as well. And so we'll find this is really important, but if you don't know what God has given you, it's hard for you to walk in the promises that God has blessed you with, right? See, that's, that's the case so often. If you've ever heard the, the illustration of the elephant on, on the leash, uh, it, this, this, the story goes that uh, back in circus times, uh, a circus master, a ringmaster, had an, a, a baby elephant and tied him to uh, a, a pole with a chain, and that, 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 that elephant worked tr- and tried to pull himself away from the pole, and he couldn't do it. He was just not strong enough, and he would fight harder, and he would work harder, and he kept fi- failing at pulling away, and he kept trying, and it just didn't work. Over time, this ringmaster continued to feed the elephant. It continued to grow, uh, but still, this pole was in pretty deep, and he couldn't get away. And so he's going, and the years are going, and finally, he gives up. No more. He realizes, I'm not pulling away from this pole. And so, but an interesting thing happens. The elephant gets bigger, and a point comes at which the elephant could, in fact, pull away from the pole if he wanted to, and a time comes when the elephant could pull the the pole out of the ground, but yet because he's been defeated, he doesn't do this. The picture is this giant, powerful elephant tied to a small pole. Church, that is the nature of many believers when we don't know what God has provided us with. Amen? That's how it works because God's called us to some pretty pretty amazing things. God's called us to live up high. He's called us to rise above culture and to be different, hasn't he? That's our call. That's who we are. We are are to be people who have a force in our society. But again, oftentimes we hear things like that. We say, well, that sounds really good, but my life is just like it is. I'm just normal. I mean, I'm not anything special. I'm not anything important. I'm not anything that, that big of a deal. And so we find ourselves doing what everybody else does. We become ladder climbers, right? We, we, we work to climb the ladder of success and the ladder of life. When, when I was in, um, in college, uh, I had my first apartment. That's what we do. We get an apartment with some buddies. I had one of those. I had uh, two friends of mine and myself, three of us total. Uh, we had an apartment. We didn't have anything to put in that apartment. And so uh, we were out driving one night. We needed a couch. And we happened to come across a couch by the side of a street in Minneapolis. Right? Now, now I think that was, what? But back then, I'm like, that couch looks pretty nice. And so we get out of the car. We smell it. With this, you got to do a smell test, right? Uh, it smelled okay. Uh, so we went and bought some Febreze. We drowned it in Febreze. It dried off. It, it came out smelling great. So that was my first couch was a couch by the side of the road in Minneapolis. And so when you're in high, college, that's okay. Then I got married, and that wouldn't be okay anymore, right? You take a step forwards, 
And so uh, you get married, you buy a, a fixer-upper house, you put some money and some, some, some work into it, you get that ready. Maybe then if you're successful, you buy the next house and then you buy the next place. And before too long, hopefully you have a place up north and you, you climb the ladder of success in life. That's what people oftentimes do, right? Maybe you're like, well, I don't do that, but... I'm sure there's something in your life where you feel that God, that you feel that you are climbing this ladder that you have. And see, here's the problem, though, is we get to the place in life where we realize, we think, what happens if that ladder is leaning against the wrong wall? And, and that's because, but we're, we're natural ladder climbers, and that's what we do as, as people, but what if it's leaning against the the wrong wall. See, this passage we're going to read today gives us some insight into the right wall. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Let's read this. I'm going to read the whole thing today. So follow along this morning. Verse 3. Blessed, everyone say blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed. Everyone say blessed. Blessed us with what? With every spiritual blessing. Let's say that again. With what? With Does that say a couple spiritual blessings? No, it doesn't. Does it say a few? Does it say a, a select few? No. It says every spiritual blessing. That's very, very important here. Every spiritual blessing. If you have a Bible on paper today, underline that. That's very important. In the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of, the, of his glorious grace, and with, with which he has blessed us, everyone say blessed, blessed us in the, beloved, in, in, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he has lavished, not kind of poured a few little whatever. No, he's, the word says he has lavished this upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, everyone say all things, all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, that's important. You heard it. And believed in him were sealed. Everyone say sealed. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Man, that's going to be good. I promise you that. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Jesus, illuminate your word to us this morning. Lord, this is meat. This is good. God, this is wonderful stuff today. Lord, help us to take, to take this in and see, Lord, what you promises you have for every believer in this room. And Lord, I pray if there are those here today that don't know you, Jesus, 
Lord, use this day to draw them closer to you. Lord, you are the wellspring of life. Help every person here today to understand what that means. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. And everyone says, amen and amen. Man, this is so, such a good passage this morning. Because again, what this does today is it begins to establish what God's called us to. God's called us to live at a higher level, right? So we know that. We've talked about that to a certain extent already. But here's what we oftentimes do. We, we try to make our own efforts about getting higher and what God's called us to. And this passage today is such good news that it helps us to understand where this actually comes from. So Paul gives us this morning seven things that every Christian has got to understand. We're going to find, as Paul unwraps this letter, we're going to find that he gives us encouragement on how to be overcomers, how to live this, this life that where, where as a believer, as a Christian, as a person of God, you are a force to be reckoned with because you're supposed to be, right? So Paul sets that tone this morning with giving us these seven truths right here. And we're going to wrap this up in understanding by looking at this, this ladder Church, this is what the ladder God's called us to climb. Number one, the first one, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now again, I made you say earlier, we read that. Does it say some? No, of course not. This says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Church, listen to me this morning. I, I think sometimes our understanding of this is that this, this, these spiritual blessings depend upon our behavior. If I'm good, then God will bless me. If I am bad, then I will be under a curse. Good, blessing, bad, curse. We live our lives on this up and down roller coaster of spirituality that God never intended from day one. When he told us here, as a believer, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Every single one this morning. See, it doesn't say that you are blessed with some. It says you are blessed with all. You're like, well, you keep saying that. I want you to hear what this says this morning. Church, you are blessed. Now, it does not mean that you're not, that how you live doesn't matter. How you live, in fact, absolutely matters. But the truth today is this, is that the blessing of your, your spiritual blessing is not by nature of what you do or what you don't do. Your nature of blessing is by nature of your new birth in Christ. Amen? It's kind of like this. If you, were, if you were, were born into this country, you were born as an American citizen. That brings with it a, a whole bunch of, of pretty great blessings. If you've ever been outside this country, uh, you would know that things in America are still pretty good. We are blessed to be Americans. Now, if you were, if you were born someplace else, you came into this country, and you uh, become a, a citizen, uh, by nature of your efforts, you messed up my illustration. No, I'm just kidding. No, this, I, I'm, I'm from most of us, right? Most of us were born into this country, and our, our citizenship is by nature of our birth. I didn't do one thing to become a citizen. I was born in the right place. See, that's what this passage here begins to help us to understand, is that the spiritual blessings come by nature of our new birth in Christ. 
Now, you could potentially uh, be an American citizen with all those blessings and such, and you could be a knuckleheaded American citizen, and that knuckleheaded stuff gets you landed in jail, and you will no longer feel that blessing anymore. And so, but, but the truth is, is that even being in, in jail doesn't take away your blessing as an American citizen. Church, how you live matters. But Paul is starting a conversation ahead of that by saying, as a believer— you don't start from a position of failure. You start from a position of blessing thanks to your new birth. In whatever situation we walk, not all are easy, not all are, are, are wonderful, but in every situation we walk, we live under an open heaven. You have to hear that this morning. Church, you live under an open heaven. You are blessed spiritually. It does not say you're blessed with all things that you want, right? It doesn't say you're blessed with all of the material blessings. Now, I do think that God blesses us those ways as well, but that's not the point. The point is not to be blessed materially. The point is we are blessed spiritually, amen? There have been times in my life when I have wanted something, you know, like a big Chevy truck, but that would have been a curse, right? A Ford's better. And so, no, you know, the, the, the truth of it is this, is there's just some things that we want that aren't that great, but we don't realize that until we walk through difficulty. That's why this is such good news, that we are blessed with all blessings spiritually. Poor or rich, healthy or sick, whatever it is, as believer, you live under an open heaven. You have to hear that today. But now, how do we walk in this? Because Many of us know this probably to a certain extent, but how do we actually walk like this? You see, Paul begins to show us, as this passage unfurls, he shows us how to walk like this. And I'm going to try to preach today from this ladder, and you might be getting nervous today. Some people in first service were very nervous, and so I assure you, um, I'm a trained professional. No, I, I'm just kidding this morning. I, I hope I don't fall today, but my wife took video stage, so in case I fell, then I would you know, have workman's comp, so whatever. But, but anyway, uh, no, that, that's not the, tr not the truth this morning. But so how do we walk in this blessing? Well, the first one is we have to know that he chose us. That's what this passage tells us in verse 4. He chose you. Remember j junior high gym class? Now, I remember it well because I was usually, if it was baseball related, I was picked first. But if it was basketball related, I was always picked last. There's nothing worse than feeling like you are being picked last in gym class, right? I had that opportunity. And see, I've come to grips now with the fact that I'm not, God's not blessed me with the ability to play basketball. I'm, I'm terrible at it. But back then, I didn't, I couldn't take that. And so it bugged me. And when it came down, we're playing basketball, and it came down to me, and they picked everybody else, including the kids that couldn't dribble a ball, and they come back to me, like, well, I guess I have to take Steve, you know, and so they, they would take me on the team. I wasn't there because I was chosen. I was there because I, there was no place else to go, and I had to play someplace. And I think sometimes we think like that when it comes to our lives spiritually, right? You see, you have to understand before anything else that God chose you. And God didn't choose you like the kid in junior high gym class who just had to pick you because you're the only one there. No, this word here says, what does it say? It says he chose you before the foundation of the world. This is before Adam, before Eve. This is before anything happened. God chose you. Why? Why would God choose you? Why would God care to choose 
you. You may think that, well, I don't have anything to give. Well, God chose you not because of what you can do for him. He chose you because he loves you, right? That's what the word here teaches us. And he chose you for a purpose. But that purpose wasn't to extract value from you. That purpose was that he could make his love show great in your life. And then as a result of that, we serve him. Amen? He chose you to accomplish his purpose this morning. The next step this morning is he predestined us to adoption. Now, this spot is where some people can get into theological muddy waters with the, with the word predestination. Because there are those that believe that God predestined some, God made some to be, to be his followers or to know him, and God made some to not know him. God made some to love him and some to not love him. And if you are in one or two of those camps, you can't do one thing about it. You have no hope if you are not in the camp of the ones that are predestined or chosen. I will tell you today, I don't have time to get into this theologically depth, Plus, you probably don't want me to this morning, but I will be honest with you today, that's not how this works. God did not make you, God did not make someone just to have no hope or no, pop, no, no possibility. God gave hope to every single person that walks this earth. How do I know? The Word says, listen to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow, to con- slow concerning his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient with us because he does not want any to perish, but all come to repentance. I could have used several scriptures that reveal the heart of God when it comes to this truth and this idea. But what's difficult, what's sad is that though the opportunity is given to all, not all will receive what God God has given. Amen? So you can become an adopted, and we'll talk about that in a minute. You become an adopted son or daughter, but you as an adopted son or daughter could pull yourself out of that relationship and say, I reject that opportunity, amen? See, that's what God does not want to see any of us do this morning. But see, it's crystal clear, and I want this to be crystal clear to this today. Our salvation is possible only by the blood and the power and the grace of God through Lord through our Lord Jesus. Amen? We can take that or we can reject it. Number, the next step this morning is that he redeemed us. The day after church, we're going to hand out root beers to our dads. On that bottle will possibly be a redemption value. Some uh, states it's five cents. Some states it's ten cents. Uh, in Minnesota, it's zero cents, unfortunately. But I used to live in a state where it was ten cents. Michigan, it was ten cents per bottle. And so that made garbage worth something. And so what would happen often is after Super Bowl parties or whatever, I would take our youth ministry with a truck and a trailer, and we'd drive around communities, and we'd pick up bottles because they were worth something. And we would make money for camp or for missions trips or, or whatever, but it was because they had been assigned a redemption value. But I will tell you today that the value was not in the bottle. The value was in the act of redemption. And we would have to take that bottle down to the grocery store and run it through this little machine for hours and hours until it spat out a little piece of paper that said the action of redemption took garbage and made it something pretty amazing and special through cold hard cash. See, that's, that's redemption. God's done that in you. The truth this morning is this, is you say, well, you say I'm garbage? No, I'm not saying you're garbage, but what I am saying is that you were born into sin. 
And sin ruins, sin destroys every single time. It ruins lives. It takes what God meant for good and turns it around. It is not a good thing. And and sin takes God's promise and trashes it in your life. That's natural. That's default. And you can't do one thing about that. That's the goodness of the word of God. Amen? He assigned to you a redemption value. The word here in the Greek actually is the word uh, apolytrosis. And apolytrosis is a very specific meaning in the Greek language for redemption. It means he has redeemed us from the slave market. Like, well, what does that mean? Well, again, you are born into sin. You are a slave to sin. That's your natural spot. That is your default setting. You can't do anything about that. God changed that. God turned that around by giving you a redemption value. That's what this word teaches us this morning. Church, he redeemed us. That's good, isn't it? And it says here he he did this through the riches of his grace. How much, how rich is God. What does he have? His riches are are endless. And his riches are not finances as much as they are grace. Church, he has given us a blank check access to his bank account that is endless of grace. Come on, somebody, say amen this morning. That's what he's done for you. See, that's what it means to be under his blessing. That's what it means when we talk about this morning how we have been chosen, how we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been redeemed. And then he continues on and says we has, he has revealed a mystery to us. Now again, this is, this is where sometimes we can get into theological muddy waters. And we'll talk a lot more about this mystery in chapter 3, where he goes into this very, very deeply. But what's so cool about this, this mystery is that this doesn't say that this, this mystery is there that no one could ever understand. That's not what this says whatsoever. It actually says that God is uncovering this mystery to us. Amen? He's showing us this mystery, and the mystery is the plan that he has laid out since the beginning of time. The Bible is certainly a collection of books. It's stories. It's all kinds of wonderful things, but the Bible is also a storyline from Genesis to Revelation, from the creation and fall of man to the full redemption of mankind. The full thing is there. It's a story that God has laid out to the beginning of time. It says, you can't do this by yourselves. I'm going to help you. I'm going to lay this story, this plan out, and that's what it is, and it culminates in Jesus Christ. Amen? He is our possibility. He is the only thing right there. And he is the plan of salvation revealed this morning. He has revealed this to us. We can walk with Jesus. Isn't that good this morning? And not only do we walk with Jesus as far as like this, this fact of we just know, we can know Jesus. He has revealed this mystery to us and to many That might be a mystery, but to those who know Christ, this is no mystery, amen? God's done this. Next step this morning, he has given us an inheritance. Now you're like, okay, I'm nervous now, okay, don't, you know, but I'm I'm, going to be okay this morning. But he has given us an inheritance. Verses 11 and 12 talks about this inheritance. And you can imagine if you were a, 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 a child back in this time when this was written, and you didn't have parents, your parents were gone for whatever reason, you had no hope. All your future, all your hope was 
set on your family and the way that, that things had happened. So if your parents were gone, you had nothing. You had no one there. And so when Paul writes this, he writes to people who understand what it's like to be orphaned. Sin has made us that way. What this passage here says is not only are you no longer an orphan, you are adopted, now you have an inheritance. So if you've been wishing for some rich aunt somewhere to pass away and you get their inheritance, you have it, but it's better yet because it's not finances. You're like, well, I wish it was. No, it's better than that. You have every spiritual blessing that's been given to you as an inheritance this morning, church. God has done this for us, and that's why we are blessed to live under an open heaven. Come on, someone, this morning. That's what God has done for us. He's done all of this to, until he comes he come to the end. As Lori comes forward this morning, just to play real quietly as I close this morning, he does, he's done all this because the last part is that he has, as the word says, he has sealed us. He has sealed us. And if you get nothing else today, this is what I want you to hear today. This is huge. You're like, really? This, what this says here is he has, he has sealed us. There is some amazing imagery here. Sealed here in the Greek means that he has marked us with a seal or a stamp. That's literally what the Greek tells us here. This is, when we received Christ, God stamped us with the Holy Spirit, who is our guarantee. Now, you're like, I, I still don't quite understand this. Well, back in these times when this was written to these first listeners, what they had is, they, well, they, they didn't have is they didn't have credit cards. They didn't have checkbooks. They didn't have any of those kind of things. They, they just had what they had. They had money or they had coins and such. And so what would happen often is that if you were the son or daughter, either by adoption or by, by blood, of a wealthy person, you might have gone into a store, you might have said, hey, I want that camel or whatever. And say, you might, I want that, um, I, I'm going to buy that. And the store owner would say, uh-uh, you are 14 years old. How are you going to uh, afford a camel? Get out of my store. You'd say, you'd say, you'd say you're, you're crazy. You can't afford, you can't do that. You'd say, yes, I can. You know why? I have a stamp. See, wealthy people back in these days had they had a stand, they had a seal. And this seal was as good as their word. It was a credit card, so to speak. And so what you would do is that if you were a child, a, a son or a daughter of a wealthy person, you'd say, uh-huh, I sure can. I can get whatever I want because my dad is wealthy. And you'd take your stamp out, you'd say, and what that was was a down payment from your father for whatever you needed to have. This is how it worked in these days in church. When this talks about this for us, this, this guarantee, this down payment, what Paul says here is that upon our salvation, God took the stamp of the Holy Spirit and said, you can't do this by yourself. You're right, but I can. He stamped us with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? This means when you walk into work tomorrow, yes, you may not feel all that great. You may say, I don't have a whole lot here, but guess what? You are stamped with the Holy Spirit. You are different. And that place is different because you are there. Why? Because you're great? No. You're stamped with a guarantee of the Holy Spirit. That's why this is good. Amen, someone this morning. That's good stuff today. When you walk into your home, right? You're like, I'm powerless in my home. I can't do this. Guess what? You, as by nature of your new birth, 
You didn't make this happen. God gave you this stamp. And you walk into your home and you say, uh-uh, enemy. I've been stamped by the Holy Spirit. I'm different. Things are different because you are there. Is it because you've got grades? No. You're stamped. Bam. When you go to work tomorrow, you're, there's a stamp on your life. When you go to school, there's a stamp on your life. When you drive down the road, you're somewhere you're like, uh-oh, you know I'm going with this this morning. There's a stamp on your life. Church, that's the life God has called you to. Right, stand across this room this morning with me today. You are stamped by the Holy Spirit. Church, this morning, come on someone this morning. God's not deaf to your voice. You live under an open heaven. God has brought you blessing. As the word says, every spiritual blessing. But again, here's what happens to us sometimes. Is we, we walk into our lives, we walk into the, the difficulties of our lives, much like the, the Ephesians did, and we, though we have access to this kind of life, if we don't know it, we are like giant elephants tied to a pole that will never pull away. You don't understand. That's why this is such a gift this morning, church. And that's why what God has done in your life is such a gift. When you walk someplace, you don't go by yourself. When you go somewhere, that workplace should be different. You're like, well, how do I do this? This is so hard. You, again, you need to let God minister and wash and work over your mind this morning. Church, it, God's not deaf to your voice. He's not waiting with bated breath to say, oh, what's he going to do? Is he going to be the, is he going to do the, a good thing so I can bless him? Or is he going to do a bad thing so I got to curse him? Right? God's not sitting there with, with in one hand, a, a big pile of cash, and the other hand with a lightning bolt saying, okay, what, what's it going to be today? Are you going to mess up or are you going to do the right thing? Whatever you do, that's what you're going to get. No, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing, church. Walk in it, he says. That helps you to understand the rest of this passage. Close your eyes, bow your heads this morning. Jesus this room this morning. God, my prayer today, God, is that we would not live, Lord, again, not live like elephants tied to a pole, Lord, when God, you have sent us into this world, Jesus, to do something. You've sent us into this world, Lord God, to make a difference. You've sent us into the world, God, not for us to drum it up in ourselves, but you've sent us with your stamp. And God, what we want to see happen when it is under your call and under your authority, God, you've given us your stamp. Lord, the guarantee, the down payments of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, give us understanding of this this morning. And Lord, if there are those here today that don't know who you are, I speak to them this morning. Christians, pray. Man, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never brought him into your life, you've never accepted him, he is calling out to you right now. You, you don't come to him unless he draws you. And I will tell you today, you are here this morning because God is working in your life and he's drawing you in. You're like, well, I, I was, it was an accident. No, it's not an accident. Uh-uh. You're here because God's drawing you in. God has put you here on purpose for a purpose. Will you respond? We're going to pray a prayer in a few moments this morning. And if you are here today and you would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with us. We're going to all pray this morning. But again, if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer especially today. It's not magical. It's not some weird. We're just going to ask 
Jesus into your life and to forgive you. Amen? Let's, let's do that. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. From this point forward, I'm yours. Come into my life. Change me. Make me. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for what I've done. I put it in the past. And though I don't know you yet, I'm excited to get to know you, Jesus. And again, from this point forward, I am yours. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. Give God some glory this morning, church. Come on, somebody. Praise Jesus. If you gave your heart to the Lord this morning, I want you to talk about, I want to hear about that. There's people up here in a moment that are going to come here to pray with you. And I, would you come forward to say, hey, I, I pray that prayer. Again, heads bowed, eyes closed. God's not done yet this morning. of us are, are, have found ourselves to be dialed back. We've found ourselves to be struggling. We just, any number of things this morning. We, we do this because we don't understand what God has done for us. Band, would you come forward this morning? If you're still here, band, come forward this morning if you could. We're, gonna, we're just going to sing a song. We're going to praise and worship God just for a few moments today. Prayer team, come forward if you would as well. Prepare to pray, pray for people this morning. If you're here today and you just need a touch from God, People are here to pray with you and just spend time with you and no judgment, no, no nothing like that. We just want to love you and pray over you today. And so that's you. Please feel, feel free to come forward in a moment. But again, heads bowed, eyes closed this morning. Because again, some of us this morning need, need to have a greater understanding of what God has done in our lives. He has stamped you with the Holy Spirit. When you go to work tomorrow, you don't go to work by yourself. You go to work stamped with the Holy Spirit. Down payment of the power and the authority God's given you. You have it. It, it, it's been stamped already. You need an understanding of what this speaks about and talk about. Jesus. So as you worship God for the next few moments, I just want you to encourage, lift your hand, lift your heart this morning. Say, God, speak to me about that this morning. Even right now, let's begin this right now. Jesus, speak to us. Lift your hand, lift your heart this morning. God, speak to us. If you want to come forward, they'd find a spot at this altar. Say, God, speak to me, Lord Jesus. I'm struggling. Or, Lord, I'm not struggling. But I want a greater measure, Lord, of what you've done in my life. Lord, I want a greater measure of this. Lord, I want to have a deeper understanding. Lord, you've called me to something. I know that. You've called me, Lord, up. And maybe you today have said, man, to get there, i got to climb this and do this and do this. And God's saying, no, I've already provided for you the climbing. I've already provided for the thing. You just have to walk in it. You just have to do it this morning. God has done that for you. Why? Because you are saved, you are delivered, and you are his this morning. And he has something for you. Why? Because he loves you today. Jesus, minister in lives and hearts this morning. We worship you.